Some things in life are monumentous. July 2022, Simpsons episode by episode boots up. January 2023, Simpsons episode by episode boots up. Uh, again, it's because I was sick and we took some time off. Then for a long time, nothing happened. That is until now, where we are joined by the mighty Al Jean. Al, take it away. Hi, everybody. It's me, unauthorized Dr. Nick. Table five. Table five. Ah, 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 ah. Table five. What a fantastic, fantastic impression to kick us off. That was one of the best ones, I think, like including us, Shane. That might have been one of the best impressions in general. Well, I'm... I'm monotone, so if it's not a monotone character, I'd have no range. But um, yes, that was a really good impression. Yeah. Well, well, sometimes when I record actors, like Julie Cameron will say, can you read the other line so Marge can play up? And I read Dr. Nick, and she was like, whoa. That, that was pretty, that that was was pretty close. Is that, is that the best character that you can do when you are pretending to do uh, a character? Excuse me, I can also do comic book guy. So pretty much the, the Hank roster. <laughs> the Hank roster. That's a, that's a pretty big roster to cover, yeah. but those are two pretty good characters. Uh, like we said off the top, we have um, Al. I guess you have a couple of like you're the executive producer, you're the showrunner, you're, you're the guy. Yeah. So I guess that would be the best way of putting it. You're the guy who makes the Simpsons work, right? Like at the, at the head of the pyramid that makes the Simpsons come together every single season. Yeah, there are multiple showrunners now. Uh, I was showrunner for 20 years, which is plenty. <laughs> very happy. I did it very Long happy. I'm yeah. a sole showrunner now and um, executive producer. And I've been with the show since the first uh, half hour episode, which is amazing to me. It aired uh, 34 years and one day ago uh, as we record this. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That like literally strong, the show, yeah. it's older than Shane and I. Like, yeah. it, it, sorry, I don't mean to make you, I don't mean to make you feel old, but it's, no, 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 I'm only 27. Now. <laughs> he's only 27. Yeah. Look at that. He goes backwards in time. I hold do. On, hold on. Um, but man, even just hearing you say that it's crazy how long the, the show has been on the lasting power and that it is this cultural icon basically. And like from the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, but when things were really starting to go, nobody really thought this was, was going to take off. Right. Well, it's not exactly true. I believe Matt Groening was always confident. My own opinion, which I recall well, is we took the job, Mike Reese and I, because A, we were working for Jim Brooks, who had done Mary Tyler Moore and Tax, you know, just the best shows I thought growing up. And um, Sam Simon, we respected a great deal. And I loved Matt's work on Life in Hell. So I thought it was going to be a good show. And I thought there was nothing like it on television. Um, nobody obviously predicted it was going to run 35 plus years. And be as successful but um i thought and, and then the first episode that aired the christmas show which i'd worked on and then I left a bit and came back and saw i thought that was the best thing i'd ever worked on in my life to that point so that that i that was something special it's uh it, it it's pretty crazy then that like you look at what happened in 1989 and you go through the 90s and 2000s stuff like that and you see how the show evolved but like how does the process of putting together that show, say, like in 89, 90, 91, how does it differ from, you know, as we're recording the last episode of putting together the the murder mystery episode, how does it differ from like pitch process to, to endpoint from then and now? What's it like to, to put it together? Well, for many years, we did a story retreat first where the writers would come in and pitch to Jim and Matt and Sam when he was on the show. And um, 
we don't do that now. One reason was um, post-COVID, we tend to work on Zoom or do hybrid. And um, so we haven't actually had like a physical table read since March of 2020. Um, but the writer basically generates an idea and pitches it to me or Matt Salmon. Uh, and if, if we like it, then we, you know, do a whole pitch out with the other writers on the staff of a day or two, the original writer does a script and then that gets rewritten many, many times before it's read with the cast. As I say, these reads are now on zoom and, um, we, uh, do everything else pretty much the same. It's just work, work, work on it. There's the technical things where, you know, now digital in our editing and digital in our animation, or at least our coloring. And um, we'd have digital storyboards where we used to have paper boards. So um, it's all sort of streamlined the process, but also made things, uh, you know, made it easier for us to change stuff. So, you know, more work goes into it. So it might, yeah, it might be a little bit easier in some respects, but then like, I'd imagine not being able to be there for a table read might be a little bit different. It's a little bit harder to kind of gauge how everyone's feeling about a certain episode. Does that present any hiccups? Well, Zoom is definitely not the best way to read a script with a cast because I've had people make phone calls during the read, people lose the script and have to reboot during the read. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, but um, I think that the show's done well uh, post COVID. So, uh, you know, I think in the ultimate, it doesn't matter, um, but uh and uh, you know god bless the zoom uh, you know workplace Th that's why we were able to keep going when COVID started i mean the animation at least blends itself well to working on zoom yeah and uh hey shane even has a little fun with zoom too when we're doing work conversations and he has his oh, yeah. zoom blew fun up. backgrounds yeah. and stuff like that right yeah exactly Anyone who had stock and zoom or whatever that company like yeah good for them yeah <laughs> yeah and so no one even uh, remembers what skype is no, no one. No, yeah. Skype's Skype's done. Thanks for coming yeah. out. Well, but, we, um, we predate our show predates word processing. So try there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true, right? Yeah, yeah, and definitely Google. I mean, those were the two biggest, you know, world innovations that changed the way we work. Exactly. We used to have a library at the at the lot where you would go to research. You'd go get a book on you know the the topic of the episode you were writing, like an actual physical encyclopedia. Oh, wow, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, things definitely a little bit, a uh, little bit easier. But um, Shane, I know you were curious, like, because possibly, not sure about this, but possibly the most intense time when it came to The Simpsons might have yeah. been during the movie, right? Like, you were thinking I, about that. I right? can only imagine trying to produce a show under a deadline already, and then having to also produce a movie on top of that all at the same time. Like the teams, like must have been pretty strained it must have been a really hectic time there were points where i was working seven days a week like 18 hours a day i mean it really was insane to be doing both. and um we i remember we started the movie matt came in and pitched the idea about pig crap uh being a problem in springfield because of a, a pig homer gets and um that was in november 2003 and then it debuted in july 2007 between you know 2003 and 2007, we were doing both things at once, which was uh, a lot. Uh, you know, I think we had to devote a little less time to the show during the end of that period. Um, and then right when it ended, we had a writer's strike, and then we went to HD. So we never got sort of any like 
hiatus to, to deal with you, you know, any of these things. We just were just one thing game after another. But, you know, I'm glad the jab was here. Yeah. It's, I yeah. love that movie, by the way. Ugh. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I had said at the time, I thought it would be somewhere between Sgt. Pepper's the album and Sgt. Pepper's the movie in quality. So <laughs> I think we hit the mark. <laughs> was there a lot of pressure to, because like by that time the show had been on for, by the time the movie came out, I know that you said that the whole process kind of started around 03, but like to make a movie about The Simpsons, and by that time it was already a global phenomenon, was there just, was there a lot of pressure just to be like, oh my God, we have to make this thing funny because people are expecting like if the show is fantastic and it already has this legacy well then we got to just go crazy with the movie was it like that i said if i had felt any more pressure i'd be a diamond it was that much <laughs> because um it aired right the movie premiered right after the 400th episode aired yeah and, and you know you see these movies that go uh, from television and people who go, why should I see something that I pay? We mentioned this in the movie, nothing for on television. And um, it's a big thing. So we were constantly worried. And when it came out to what I thought were good reviews and, and a very good box office, I was incredibly relieved. I mean, some people even like it better than that, which is wonderful. I can't be objective, but I, I you know, I don't think we let people down. And I, I think that's why, we haven't got a second one yet is because I wouldn't want to do it unless it really was worth doing. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, you've, you've, first of all, the, the idea is fantastic of what the movie ended up becoming, but now you have to have just an idea in general. That's like big enough to, to validate a second movie, right? It's like, okay, now we have to have this. But one thing I've always been kind of curious about, I asked, I asked this to, to your old, the late great Mike Reese. We're thinking of you, Mike. He's, he's, not, not, he's dead. not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. He, but he like did go say. down to the Titanic, but he survived. So. <laughs> he did. Yes, he did. He survived. He's not dead. No, I like to I say quote. late great. Yeah, he always says people. late great. That's his bit. It, yeah. it makes people sound more dignified. It sounds great. Oh, the late great. <laughs> well, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Save it for me till I'm dead, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had said to Mike, I think uh, a couple of years ago now, I said, has your sense of humor changed over time for the way that you whether it's a movie or you know just a regular episode the way that you pitch jokes or uh what other approved jokes or not like has that changed over time and he's like yeah you know what i think i've kind of softened on things i maybe i'm not as harsh as i used to be and uh what about yourself al do you find that your sense of humor for something that you would have found funny in 1990 is different than today well it's really hard it's sort of like a heisenberg principle which is you know I've changed, but I can't really tell how much I've changed. Yeah. The the biggest thing for me on the show is we've done everything. <laughs> you know, we've done 750 plus episodes, often with two stories per episode. So I'm certainly more inclined to go, well, we may have done something similar before, but if we can do it in a new way and say something about the world now, that's okay. I was really excited because there's a script I wrote that'll air next year, which I thought of it and I was like, this is a new idea. And I, you know, put the, uh, my notes down and I looked at it the next day and I go, it is a new idea. We didn't do this. So that, that feeling is really a great thrill. And then you're confident, very confident that with the staff that it'll be something good. It's funny how, you know, you said that in, in the old days, you'd have to look up an encyclopedia on whatever it is you were looking up. It, now you have to have an encyclopedia, whether online or physical, whatever, but you have to have an encyclopedia of what you've already done to oh, make sure gosh. you're so the, yeah. it's it's funny that you say that because last night the night before we were recording this i'm sitting watching a, a preview of something with my wife 
and it was in the Netflix movie that's coming out with Julia Roberts where everything fails. And I'm like, the, the, the microchips and the, basically the world fails with the computers. And I'm thinking, looking at this is like, this is Treehouse. This is when Homer in 99 fails to update the Y2K bug and everything goes to hell. It's basically the same thing. And it's so hard. And South Park did this years ago where they said, oh, you guys have already come up with so many great things that now we, not only do we have to go back into our history and see if we've done it but we have to go and see if the simpsons have already done it because they've likely already perfected it it's pretty crazy eh? well like one of the craziest was and we've we've parodied a lot of stephen king we've done a lot where we owe you know a debt of gratitude to, to stephen king but when the movie came out and then the book under the dome that he wrote came out, i was like thank god this didn't come out like in the middle of our production that <laughs> yeah. would have been an enormous disaster for us and i'm sure he saw the movie and he was like wait a minute I know this from somewhere. I, I, you know, I don't believe he like immediately wrote a thousand pages because he saw a movie. I believe what he said, where he had something, came back to it. You know, but thank God it was us first. That's all I have to say. Yeah, and it happens, right? Like sometimes some people oh, at the same time have similar ideas, right? Yeah, like it's, it's not it's, always. Yeah, that's why like I don't yeah. listen to people who say, you know, if someone wants to pitch me an idea for an episode. Honestly we think of similar ideas to the ones people think of it, you know, we wouldn't want to steal it. It's not. It, and because there are so many, not just episodes of the Simpsons, but also, you know, Bob's burgers and family guy and South park. You, you, you I try to like avoid getting too much knowledge of these because I, I certainly will just be stymied and go, you know, you can't do it. It's not, it's not something fresh. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah you don't hard. want to. Yeah. It, it must be in, insanely hard to to write something fresh and make sure it doesn't. Because even if it's something close to something that you've already done, people might go, "Oh, you already did that." And next thing you know, they're they're discounting with it if you're actually ever ever watching it. But uh, what is it like though? Like, I remember Shane, you were talking about like going to comic cons and stuff like that and just seeing all the people um, that yeah. are um, crazy Simpsons fans. Huge, huge, like especially around the movie uh comic-con that yeah. must have been crazy but um you've always been like interacting with the community you're on this little podcast right now which is great thanks again but uh yeah like so what's it like actually interacting with the fans in person like they probably have some really detailed questions they're like fanatics so uh it must just be nice to see like forward facing instead of like ratings you get to see the fans like actually yeah and we never had um you know tapings with audiences so you kind of forget when you go out in the world, not just in the U.S., but outside America, and you see how popular the show is. It's it's incredible, and um, the, the fans, like at Comic Con, are really nice. You know, incredibly supportive. And you you, I've, what I find the best single thing about working on the show is sometimes fans will say, "Gee, when I was going through a tough time, my parents split up or whatever, I would watch Simpson DVDs and it would cheer me up." I mean, that means the world. And, have that effect on someone is really amazing or to have the effect of that that effect on that child you know who comes up to you as an adult and says that's what i grew up with you know i remember feeling that my parents had split up but like about the charlie brown specials and certain other magical things from my youth yeah it's comforting it's it's become comforting nostalgia right like i can go back and watch an episode from any of the seasons that i watched uh you know when i was young and, and same for shane mm -hmm. and we were watching this when it when it first came out and it puts you back into that time and I compare it to my dad and he like the guy's seen, I don't know how many times he's watched mash over. I'm going to say a hundred times, yeah. uh, but, and he might not even be paying attention, but the fact that it's on in the background, it, it, it's just kind of one of those things that 
is ingrained in his life and it just brings warm nostalgia from 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 great times i am curious though when you do meet these people uh in in person what percentage of them try to pitch maybe not like directly like hey yeah i got this idea but in some way they'll pitch an episode of the simpsons to you does it happen more often than not no it's very rare sometimes really? people will approach me on twitter or ask if i'll read a simpsons script and i've read a lot of specs and hired writers um you know almost always the writers we've hired have been on their specs but i haven't read a spec simpsons in about 25 years because at that point i said i don't want to hear these ideas because th there was one that somebody had pitched that we did you know that another writer thought of and then we had to pay both um and i was like i, I don't want to do that again right it it's does another complicate the process yeah yeah it's like oh i mean nobody people, nobody did yeah. anything wrong it was just um I'd heard from one source and then another person pitched it. And so we paid both, which is fine. But yeah, I just, I thought, okay, I want to just be really, really, you know, careful with what I listen to. Yeah. It's kind of like another, it's just one of those instances too of, of coincidence. Like two people had a similar idea of something they thought would work for the show. And I'm, I am kind of surprised by that, that, uh, cause even when we do this, you know, Shane and I on a whim will come up with all oh, this episode could have ended alternately in, in just off the top of our heads we'll almost challenge each other like that sometimes to see um what we what we can come up with and uh you mentioned too like around the world i don't know what it is um especially because there's been an episode kind of making fun of them but have you ever noticed how much australians love the simpsons have you ever noticed that? yes before? i'd say it's one of our the the two biggest fan bases uh are Australia and Argentina per capita. Maybe it's the letter A, I don't know. But um, in Argentina, the Simpsons movie was more popular than uh, any movie ever before, including Titanic. And Australia, it's just enormous. Uh, and when we did the Australia episode, they loved it. They were excellent sports. And um, I that's what's you know i was in italy and some guy goes oh yeah we have a guy in the kitchen he's just like homer you know everywhere you go people know the simpsons it's uncanny it's uncanny it is yeah, especially in australia we you know we take a look sometimes at who's listening from where and on this little show here we have thousands of listeners from from brisbane and and melbourne and sydney and it's like i wonder what it is of why it is so popular that maybe because i don't know maybe because it's one of those things where you know, you can uh, talk about so many different things that are like international and jokes that come at the expense of pretty much anything and everyone. And that kind of leads me to something that I've always wondered. Um, in the, like in the 90s episode, specifically The Simpsons, it almost feels like Howard Stern. And what I mean by that is when you when it, when a uh, guest goes on Howard Stern, everything's on the table. Like Howard's going to talk about everything. He's going to question them on everything. And they kind of expect that. And you can kind of expect that from the 90s episodes too. Like you never know what's going to happen. Nothing is off limits. Everyone who, you know, might deserve a jab, a celebrity or something like that, they're going to get a jab. Does it still, first of all, did it ever feel like that in general back in the time when you were working on the it, show? It like, didn't feel like that. Right? I haven't noticed any um, change in the way we try to go after things. Mm -hmm. So does it still feel like you can almost make fun of, uh, anything in it, you know, in the in the good-natured way that The Simpsons does most of the time, good-natured way. Yeah, uh, I mean, because otherwise, what's the point of comedy if you can't satirize things? That sort of leads to That's lack true. of freedom of speech. Um, hmm. 
it's you know like any I'll, I'll go global where i'd say you know in the 50s you couldn't talk about a woman being pregnant and now there are other things you can't talk about but you certainly can talk about sex on tv so what society you know considers restrictive at different points changes but we always want to be seen as is on the edge of uh, what people are thinking and um yeah, I, I take things as, as uh, with as little seriousness now as I ever did. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, that's one of those uh, lines that's like taken out of context. Uh, uh, be like, oh, this guy's just slacking off. But no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, it's That's that's kind of the way you have to approach comedy in, in general, right? And like I was looking at... Uh, I, that comedy I depends I, on a freedom of speech and expression and people being allowed to make jokes that might be offensive but are just jokes you know yeah, yeah. Like, everything's they funny or not offensive funny. but don't do yeah. things that are offensive yeah indeed indeed and like uh um it seems that uh you know i was watching uh last night's episode again the, the i won't give away the ending or anything like that for those who haven't seen it yet by the time this episode comes out but it's it's a good episode go check it out and it seems the oh i should mention uh, the writer is brothy gupta one of our new writers and uh she's great yeah and it was a fan it was a fantastic episode there were some great lines in there like comic book guy had some good lines i thought flanders had pos it was just kind of a one-off but one of the best uh lines uh in the show but shane you were pointing out to me that it seems like every single thing that you read recently it's like the simpsons is nailing it just like they did uh back in the 90s right yeah, uh, you look at articles and fans there, it's like, you know, check out The Simpsons, like The Simpsons are really killing it right now. Um, like the the two uh, Halloween episodes this year, like the the like uh, the, the It episode was fantastic. And then you had the um, the, the Death Note parody as well. Yes. That was huge, uh, huge presence online. Um, yeah, so, I should give uh, credit on those to Matt Selman and Carolyn Omine. Yeah, they were great. They were at Caesar Fantastic. Wrote, yeah. the, wrote the parody. The Simpsons um, are more available now than ever. Uh, most of the population has like Disney Plus or like, you know, they still have cable. Uh, so, what would you attribute to like the really, you know, it feels like you guys are just on a streak right now with the latest season. Well, I think everybody takes the show and the writing of the show and the directing and animating of the show as seriously as they ever did. And um, in terms of popularity, yeah, the new. Um, trend which is great seems to be that people see an episode on fox after football or something and then they go to disney plus and you can watch them all i mean we refer to them when we want to research the show and what we've done you know it's just so easy they're all just right there and um uh i know people where they say oh yeah my kid watched the whole run during the pandemic i mean i watched the whole run of the sopranos during the pandemic but that's a little easier <laughs> so uh it's it's amazing it's i mean you know i feel a little worried to say the word evergreen but i think we are you know i don't i don't want to jinx anything donuts simpsons simpsons donuts it just goes hand in hand yeah you know what shane it really does and for the best donuts in the world you gotta check out crave donuts they've got locations in oshawa and whitby ontario and these simpsons loving donut bakers they're creating some of the most delicious treats imaginable they've got a year-round menu with the likes of a cosmic brownie donut 
a churro cruller. They've even got the Simpsons-inspired pink vanilla sprinkle. Yeah, and there's a rotating menu inspired by each season. In the fall, they've got apple pie, pumpkin spice cheesecake. Doesn't that sound delicious? That sounds absolutely amazing. To top it all off, there's weekly specials. They've got some surprises each and every week, so keep an eye on that. Open Wednesday through Sunday. Check out their website, CraveDonuts.com, as well as their Instagram for all the details. Trust us. If you're in the GTA, go hit up Crave because you're going to end up with a belly full of goodness. It's probably going to cause you to make some sounds sound a little like this. Pretty close, right? Like yeah. there's not really a whole heck of a lot that even some of the cultural references towards the shows back in the beginning, like they're, they're in the... What's the what's that word again? The uh, zeitgeist is that the word? They're in the, the cultural zeitgeist. Is that I think I'm it is the word. Although that's... I've never understood it. People have ah, said the yeah. and then out of it and then it again. I don't know what who puts you in the zeitgeist. Yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know. If I mean, I'm... like, were we we in it when the movie came out? I guess so. Were we in it in the nineties? As you say, okay. Well, that's ninety and two thousand seven. We're in it now. Okay, when weren't we? I don't know. Yeah, when are you not? When are you? Maybe twenty twelve, but we got nominated for an Oscar that year, so maybe we were. I, I don't know. I don't know who Mr. Zeitgeist is that makes these decisions. No, we should ask him one day, but it yeah. seems like you guys are always there. And so it's it, calling it evergreen is actually pretty close, right? Because each app, there's no, you can take each episode of the Simpsons out of, you know, the, from season two to season 32 and each episode can stand on its own and still work in its own little timeline because it doesn't have to be linear, right? Like it can just exist in its own whenever yeah, you're watching. That was always my uh, theory you know, as showrunner, and there have been, you know, several showrunners, so each has a different theory, but um, I, I felt that you didn't want to do, as much as I enjoy a show like Mad Men, which, you know, you, you can tell a season seven episode from a season two episode, I thought with us, the best thing would be that they were pretty interchangeable, especially when we sort of standardized the animation in season two, because uh, animation is like that, and I, I had pitched 10 years ago now which is amazing like if we didn't did the show my idea would have been that the last episode would end at a christmas pageant which is where the first episode started so the entire series would be an infinite loop with no beginning or end mm -hmm. which would be fantastic yeah yeah I, I i'm kind of partial to that ending i like that that it kind of wraps everything up so well, the predicate is always when the show ends which i don't or when I don't, yeah, yeah which is never be. by the way let's just say um yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, as yeah, a some... fan of all the Christmas episodes, that would be great for me. Yeah. It would. Yeah. yeah. No, those are always fun. We did a really nice Thanksgiving episode this year, which is actually only the third, you know, Thanksgiving episode from beginning to end that we did. So that was kind of fun. That was something where it was, I can't say we never did one, but it was close. I wonder, it's uh, like like Shane said there, he said it's never going to come to an end. But, and you know what? They, you're probably right in the sense that I could see maybe. You know, maybe Fox will pay to have your brain put in a robot, and then you can live through it. The robot, kind of oh, like don't, the episode. Don't get into AI. I don't even want to think. Oh about no, that. we're not going to. Oh, we're not going to AI. <laughs> we're not. We're not going there. Trust me, we're not going there. We're actually going to. I go have read AI Simpsons, and again, not quite at the moment. They don't read well, but I remember when I was a kid that people said, "Oh, chess would never be. You know, computers would never beat a human in chess." And then, sure enough, in two thousand five or whatever, it happened. Yeah, so, and computer winning on Jeopardy and stuff like that. But let's yeah. let's not spoil the moment. Let's not spoil the good conversation yes. with, with AI. Let's get on to uh, let's go on to season four because season four we're in season five right now. But we had just 
obviously coming off of season four and season four was the last one that you were on like fully involved with before you went off to work on some other projects like the critic and stuff uh so as as well as the first two of season five the barbershop quartet and cape fear right as well as the, yes the 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 first Fantastic. two of season five um season four like when we were going into it so what we do in in our episodes is we say okay let's give it a rating based on nostalgia we'll go through it again see if it holds up typically our nostalgia is um pretty good but sometimes we're like wow there are some episodes that you know were in this run that we heavily underrated they they kicked ass uh one of them from season four actually i'm going to save it but uh season four in general gets credited for a lot of those episodes and and some call it like the greatest season ever what are your thoughts on that you know looking back on it 30 years now that some people it's, are still hold, holding in that high revere it's really funny because mike reese and i talk about this a lot because we're both still alive and what we say is that <laughs> at the beginning of the season a lot of the staff left because their contracts are up so jeff martin left and kogan wolodarski we hired a new guy named conan o'brien and um we were really worried we were going oh my god this thing is so popular and we're going to be at the season where everything started to fall apart and so that was my constant attitude co-running season four with mike and then i would read a few years later people calling it like the greatest episode of any television series the greatest season of any television episode ep greatest episodes of any uh, tv series ever season four of the simpsons and i i'm just amazed that that was what they said it's just like really i'm sorry my um computer just uh went off on the sound i just want to make sure it's still recording okay Yes. Okay. Perfect. All right. Or so we'll take it from uh, post. No. Yeah. So what I, wanted, yeah. what I wanted to say again is the idea that people would call season four the best of anything really shocks me still. <laughs> it's and the thing is, is like you look back and you're like, man, it's crazy. Obviously, this is hindsight. But as, as Shane and I are looking back, it's like it's crazy. That anyone would even even question it because there are so many good episodes, like every single episode. Gems, the yeah. Time that we're uh our, our our end rating is like an aa plus uh because it just the stories are fantastic there are so many different gags the fl everything just uh flows so well and you mentioned that there was some guy some uh oh yeah uh, some larry o'brien cone yeah, kobe o'brien who was that guy again how, how did well, that he had been in? president of the harvard lampoon twice yeah so mike and i thought he might be a good writer and um yeah, at the time we hired him and Oakland Weinstein. Those were our three hires. So you can make that what you will. Um, it, it also, I uh, would say it's funny because I have nostalgia from the other side of and having worked on them. And in that season three and four era, there's a lot of nostalgia I have for um, Homer at the Bat, which was the worst table read we ever had and which we thought really? was going to get us fired. Yep. And then Myers versus the Monorail. Uh, which also at the time, uh, people were going, this is pretty weird, which now people say is one of the best sitcom episodes yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, Homer, the heretic written by George Meyer, which I was really happy with. And last days at the Springfield written by Kogan Wolodarski, which I thought was, um, really funny, but all four, Mike and I, Jay and Wally, I'll go, we're amazed that people rank at number one, like when we were doing it, nobody ever said this is the best Simpsons ever, which some say now. I mean, I can't really be objective about it. It it still seems crazy. Like even 
like Homer at the bat. What was it about the table read that people were like, ah, uh, this might Well, there were work. about three things. The first was we made a mistake that we never repeated. We read two episodes at once. That was the second. So that kind of really, you know, dimmed his enthusiasm. Secondly, Sam Simon correctly said we could get the ball players when they came in to play the Dodgers of the Angels. But of course, we didn't have the ball players there. So it really just seemed like, you know, where's the excitement? And it also was maybe the first episode that got very surreal. And um, we, we really, after the read, Mike and I were going, well, that's it. We're over. And now, uh, you know, in 2017, I literally was at a, a ceremony at the Hall of Fame where it, it was inducted. <laughs> so, so I, you know, not as an official player, but there was an exhibit for a year of that episode at the Hall of Fame. So it's funny how life changes things. Yeah, so like, that that episode for me and Shane and I talked about this. I know we said we're talking about season four, but we're talking about season three. We're going to do what we want here. Yeah, um, no yeah, rules to this. Season, yeah. Uh, that episode well, that, was, that, that episode i would say was the precursor of season four you know showed us and we said that yeah we said that the, the based on like the, the flow of the episode mm -hmm. the type of jokes the fact that this was a real like don't take this seriously it's a rubber band universe anything can happen this is what's happening in this in this particular episode that was both and of ours favorite episode no it was of yeah. season three but mine more so and the reason was is because as a baseball i'm a big yankees fan and like that resonant like seeing don mattingly especially the image of when he finally shaves his sideburns. Like I have that on a t-shirt. That was one of my, it blew my mind. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments of the, of, of the episode and, and that and Ozzy Smith in the, in the, in the mystery spot. And so I have to ask before I forget. You, you may know um, the Mattingly thing is not based on the Yankees hair policy. It was actually my grandfather owned a hardware store in Detroit. And he always said to the kids that worked there, get a haircut happy, even when their hair was super short. <laughs> so that, that was why I went in, and then he did get fined by the Yankees after he recorded, but before it aired, and everybody thought, oh, that's why it was in the show. But it wasn't. It's very one of the many strange Simpsons coincidences. It is. Uh, it's one of those in the future things. Again. Yeah, it's what they the people point to a lot of the show uh, has ended up predicting the future. Um, but I have the, to ask. The other thing it hit was, like, I know Wally and I and a few others were on rotisserie league teams at the time. And it had just kind of taken off. And um, I think we really tapped into that appeal. It was like we were picking our, you know, favorite rotisserie players. And we got almost everybody. Um, I think Ryan Sandberg turned us down and Carlton Fisk. But pretty much everybody was the first choice. And the second choices we got were fantastic, of course. What uh, from, from, from the actual uh, players reading their lines? I know Jose was a bit of a... He wasn't the best to work with what I've heard. Well, he came in and he did two reads and he goes, all right, that's good enough. And Wally says, yeah, I think we're fine. And Wally was with me and I was like, what? No, not yet. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a big guy, but he was bigger. So it was a little intimidating. Uh, but I've seen him since and it, we, it's all, everything's cool. Oh, nice. Okay, that's good. So, it's kind of, so it was kind of like uh, uh, when Krusty comes in, all up, this is season five, when Krusty reads the line for the... The, the the crusty doll he doesn't yeah, yeah. he doesn't there's a couple of takes and he just leaves and buddy hasn't even put the he hasn't even started recording yet and crusty's already yes. at the door so it's kind of kind of like that uh but it's it's kind of funny that like even in the moment you didn't know that some like season three and season four i guess maybe when you're working on things you didn't you didn't sense that something special was happening there like I'm, I'm trying to force a narrative here it feels like but it just seems like it was like oh you know we're just from what you're saying not, we're just doing our jobs we were not going around 
saying, this is the golden age. I'll give you another one, which is Cape Fear, where it was the last one that Mike and I show ran. And um, we did a few, uh, like, um, the critic crossover later, but the, the last one of the season four badge. And I was the last person in the editing room working on it, and it was short. It was always too short. And I thought, okay, well, Sam Simon says if something's funny once and very funny twice and not so funny three times, it's hilarious nine times. So that's what we did with the rakes and Sideshow Bob. But again, I wasn't there going, oh, this is going to be something that really you know, will be remembered well. I was just going, we got to get time on this show. <laughs> it's one of those things, right? It starts funny, then it's not funny, then it's funny again. And then the yeah. next thing you know, you have something yes. golden. And Even yeah, on the DVD menu, when he's doing the same thing, like it's not the funny, like the first time it's like, oh, okay, watching him again. That was one of the funniest gags on the early DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, we didn't tell anybody because I was like, I don't want to have anybody say that there's too many of these and cut the show. So <laughs> it was a big surprise when it aired. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of those lasting uh, memories of that of that particular episode. And I don't just look at it like, right the same. Yeah. Yeah, in general, Shane, you you were talking about the like uh, uh, some of the favorite memories that you had of of uh, of season four, and I guess I guess what were some of maybe some of the uh, I know you've probably been asked a thousand times, but like what were some of your favorite memories of just working on that season and working with that writing team that you mentioned that had Conan and uh, and, and you know you look back and everything came together so well, but in the moment, what were some of your favorite just memories that you know, maybe maybe you haven't told anybody this day. Maybe we're going to earth unearth something really cool right now, even though you've been asked this probably eight thousand times. But what about that season? Like some of your favorite memories? Well, I hate the things that I've told a couple times, but when Elizabeth Taylor came, everybody showed up, and she walked up. She was very fun, and she walked up to David Silverman at the end and said, "Where did those blue eyes come from?" And I, I couldn't take my eyes off her ring, which was the one Richard Burton gave her, which mm-hmm. was really uh and then johnny carson came we'd worked for johnny carson mike and i and we said well we really didn't see much of him at the tonight show don't expect that he's going to want to talk and he came and he was the most charm of course you know like you see him on the show really funny and everybody said you're nuts he's really great it, isn't it uh it, it's crazy too that like you were talking about how you, the show can still be considered evergreen and stuff like that and even though i was i think i was when did johnny retire 91 92 Something like that. Yeah, it was about ninety-two. Summer... That Bette Midler scene was a parody. Oh yes, fire. yes, yeah. So that yes. was ninety-three. Yeah, so yeah. People sadly have no idea who he is now. But but the thing is, most people probably do because at least uh, like at least if you have a, a decent knowledge of 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 late night shows and you know beyond Letterman and Leno and stuff like that, then most people probably do know who Johnny Carson is or. They might have seen him on the show and they're like, oh, I wonder who this guy is. And then, you know, people learn about Johnny Carson through The Simpsons. So it's kind of like a reverse teaching in a way, I guess, right? If that makes sense. I hope so. I, I, again, can't be objective, but I would just say as a host, I still haven't seen anybody better. Yeah, I've seen some clips and uh, Johnny's like his natural timing and stuff for for his lines and stuff like that. And the conversations he was able to have with people just absolutely absolutely fantastic and his Uh ability to make people around him funny you know the city don rickles was so good when he was a guest he was the best i thought yeah that's huge to be able to kind of feed off of uh your guest and stuff like that did you ever have that in the uh when you were i know there's the whole myth about elizabeth taylor and how 
she got mad at you and that's that's a myth and she was just you know no no i remember it distinctly what happened was i asked her to say daddy you know it's weird to ask for one line in a voice that you're you know saying is a baby's so i did like 30 takes you know daddy and then at the very end she went in the baby voice fuck you and it got a huge laugh and then she didn't storm out she hung around and as i say (laughs) flirted with david silverman was really nice um and and the the fuck you was a total joke i mean yeah yeah it played as one and it was one uh so what believe me i was there so i remember what happened and when you're whether it's taylor or whoever else it might be any of the 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 players from homer at the bat or um any guest voice who comes in who might need a little bit of of extra coaching what do you feel are some of the ways that you can kind of get the best out of somebody who might not be the most comfortable in doing that there are two techniques that um i found with someone who may not be like a professional voiceover actor um one is bonnie Pietla always suggested have them stand up don't let them sit and get too comfortable reading if they stand they kind of like pay attention and the other thing you want to do is just have them forget what they're doing with their face um and to if it doesn't you know work at the very beginning if it seems a little stiff go to the next scene and then come back to the beginning so we've done all those things with different people but i mean you know the experience is usually opposite where you get somebody like ann hathaway who blew me away doing two different characters and singing incredibly yeah and it's wow i'm just kind of picturing that in my head of uh you know some of those techniques and you said the don't worry about what they're doing with their face and uh, in in using those techniques did you find that there was somebody who you you didn't expect to be really good that ended up blowing your not not just Anne Hathaway she's great but maybe somebody uh not just in season four either but who really came in and you're like oh I don't know about this and then as they got going like wow that kicked ass that was really good well, we recorded and it's going to air next year, 2024, Amanda Seyfried. And she said a funny thing at the end, which was, she goes, if you don't think I was very good, don't use me. <laughs> I said, really? We're going to use. She's great. She was really funny. And it was really funny that she would say that. And um, as, as you know, if you saw the um, Theranos uh, miniseries where she played Elizabeth Holmes, she has a very funny voice, a very good vocal range as an actress. And she was terrific. It's funny when that comes into mind, eh? Like people think sometimes they're maybe they're too hard on themselves and they think, oh, you know, maybe I didn't do a good job and and uh, they doubt themselves. And then it ends up being something completely brilliant. Um, but Shane, you were you were wondering about season four in general, about like something about if there was if there was an episode that maybe uh, yeah. the, yeah, the team wasn't as confident, right? Yeah, we were working on an episode. It doesn't have to necessarily be season four because we already kind of touched base on that. But uh, was there an episode that you worked on, you really didn't want to to air like a part of you just wanted to keep it and keep working on it and then when you when it was released well i wanted them all to air because we put in so much work (laughs) on them the original read for margin chains wasn't great and so we rewrote a lot of it after the read um but it has things that people really remember fondly you know like the jimmy carter joke and uh, uh, remembering pi to a million digits which wasn't so easy to to find out at that time um so no nothing that i didn't want to air there was just always more work another one that um never had a wasn't a good read and it wasn't a good animate animatic was brother from another planet 
um, which people also remember fondly. We wrote it because we heard Tom Cruise wanted to do the show, and it was, you know, sort of based on the Tom Cruise persona. And then he passed for reasons I still don't know. And then Phil Hartman, who saved us so many times, came in and did it. It was great. Ah, uh, Phil, yes, quick, yeah. quick, yes, quick shout to the actual late grade Phil Hartman. He's yeah. one of our, our favorites. We try to Unfortunately, he is late grade and yes. was a wonderful yeah. guy to work with. Everyone and, says um, John Lovitz, who I know well, loved him like a brother. Yes, yes, I've heard stories about John and 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 Phil, and yes, uh, shout out Phil's performance in Jingle All the Way. Love it. I still absolutely love it. Yes, that's um, also yeah. <laughs> You're making me laugh, Phil. I know we don't have a lot of time. We'll get one more question each here. Uh, you're making me laugh because there's... There's things from The Simpsons where, as you're a kid, you might be watching it at first and you don't understand the history behind it. So with that, I'm just laughing because I see it now in my head. And um, when with, with the Jimmy Carter joke and they yell, that's history's greatest monster. When I was a kid watching, I was like, oh, this Jimmy Carter guy must be a really bad person. I'll, Jimmy... I'll tell you the origin. That was my joke. <laughs> what happened was after he lost his bid for re-election, Republicans would demonize Jimmy Carter so much. They would act like he was the worst president ever, like they're doing to Biden now. Mm-hmm. In, I, neither case deserve any of that opprobrium, in my view. And the sad thing is someone told Jimmy Carter, uh, who uh, still alive at this, you know, recording that mm-hmm. lesson uh it said watch the simpsons you'll love it that's the first episode he watched where we called him history's greatest monster <laughs> i don't know if he caught the satirical intent but I, i'll apologize now while i still can oh man the uh that's uh that line that line got me uh especially when i learned like oh that was just a joke jimmy carter's like the nicest guy on the planet uh that is that is fantastic. Yeah, the joke the joke was that they were demonizing a guy who had many 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 positive qualities, unlike exactly. other other history monsters who may just have been president. Indeed, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, um, man, season four, it's got so many gems. That's that's one of them. There. So many. What a fantastic we season. A, we kind of came to a conclusion of what our. Because everyone talks about Monorail, everyone talks about Last Exit, mm-hmm. everyone talks about Treehouse 3, and those are fantastic episodes, but we kind of, we watched this one back, and we're like, holy crap, that episode's a 10 out of 10, this one is fantastic, the gags and everything are hilarious, yeah. uh, and do you, what is your pick for most underrated episode of season 4, if you maybe we're on the same page here, just off the top of your head? I bet it's not what you're going to say. Mine, that people don't mention as often as those others, but I'm really happy with is homer the heretic that Um, was up there that was up there. i I thought that um i pitched the idea because i was thinking well we did about an episode about breaking the commandment against stealing so let's do one uh, about homer breaking the commandment that says you have to go to church and then george meyer wrote it and had these great lines like you know what if you're going in what if you're in the wrong religion you're going to the wrong church and you're just making god matter and matter <laughs> I, I you know and, and there was a line when people ask about the characterization of apu to me you know i pitched where he was one of the volunteer firemen and the you know minister goes whether you know everybody pitched in whether they're christian or jewish or <laughs> and, you know, and he goes <laughs> there's a billion of us you know and i, I love to go that's super <laughs> that's super yes oh fantastic and that waffle is iconic yeah yeah and the waffle and, yes. the, and yeah homer's homer's uh yes. space age movie. that's just brilliant but um that is that is actually one of them that got went from our it, it 
we each bumped it up about a full point, Homer the Heretic. So I'm so Homer the Heretic is our most underrated from season four. And my favorite joke that I picked from season uh from that episode specifically was and I'm guessing you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it sounds like a Schwarzwelder joke. Um you can yeah, if I'm wrong, tell me it was when Homer's talking about uh you think that the, the misdirect is that he's going towards jesus and he's like oh he had a lot of crazy ideas and oh you know marge that guy who drove that blue car that's Schwarzwelder, right um it actually is based on a editorial doug kenny wrote for national lampoon where he you know it's this whole thing like radio hosts used to do and there was a man he didn't have any money he was bearded and he just was called crazy and then the editorial ended and that man's name was charles manson <laughs> and uh so it's a kind of an old standby one line um again i think this was george's it always cracks me up is where he's talking to god about um the cardinals and in the time there was no uh st louis ram so he just goes does st louis still have a team no they're in arizona now. <laughs> yes that's <laughs> right to be talking about with god that's right. Well, I am, to, to take a phrase from the old prison guard, I'm an idiot, messed up my seasons here of our rankings, but that is indeed Well, one that's of a great favorites. episode too, but I got to give yeah. credit to David Martin. That was his season. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I still and, call uh, Shane, the blue car joke. Yeah. Yeah, a blue car is fantastic. Shane, I know you wanted to end with the, uh, the monorail. Yeah, you, we already you kind of talked in. about monorail. I do have a backup, though. Yeah. Go ahead with whatever yeah. you want to go with. Uh, we already checked. Touch base on the monorail episode. It's fantastic. A lot of people consider it to be, you know, the best. We already kind of talked about that. So uh, as someone who grew up listening to all the DVD commentary, uh, I used to fall asleep listening to that. Um, I owned, I still own all of the DVDs, um, even like the spinoff, like Christmas stuff and everything. So um, it's when you first started talking, it was like, oh, I've been listening to this like my whole life. Um, yeah. So what is <laughs> I've heard the... that. I've been recognized by my voice, which is a very weird experience yeah. at airport. So. I can only imagine. Well, you're, yeah, it's going to happen. But uh, what are those DVDs? I always wondered, like, because we never get a video camera in there, like, too often. Like, what are those setups like when you're doing the DVD commentary? Is everyone just, like, bringing snacks? And it's like, is it something that is scheduled? Or is it, like, off the cuff, someone's doing a recording? Or we would do it on Thursdays uh, during our lunch hours. Uh, Gamble and Pross would be in the room that day, and they're always really funny, so it would help to have them in the commentary. Uh, we would just have a different uh, mic stand, you know, a microphone and, and a headphone for us, and we would sit in a little circle and play the episode. Um, they'd send us the episodes beforehand, but I usually didn't watch them. I preferred to go at them cold. Um, and we would try to get, you know, some of my best experiences were when we had Stan Lee in person or David Byrne on the phone, and we got to have them joke around with us at the commentary. Those were really, really fun. Oh, yeah. Whenever you would call uh, someone, I think we had like Mark Pappas from Blink 182, and um, uh, 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 the guy's name escapes me, the skateboarder who was so great, Tony Hawk. Tony, yeah. Uh, we were both from San Diego, and they were in a commentary together, and that was really fun. Yeah, some of those are just it's it's always neat. I think Shane and I are both two guys who love to hear the backstories of things and and how they come together. And that was one of the main reasons why we were hoping to chat with you and and share these wonderful stories that you've shared throughout the past. Well, what have we been recording for an hour or so that uh, we've been able to chat? And I'll uh, thank you so I don't know how I don't know how many times I can say thank you because we we are such huge fans. Yes, thank and, you so uh, much. You know we know you have a. Well, I'll just say schedule. you're welcome. 
And yeah. thank you so much, man. And and uh, you know what? I hope your Lions finally do it for this year, this year, and, and bring a Super Bowl uh, to to Detroit because uh, oh my god, be I'll tell you fantastic. this: the Detroit fans couldn't appreciate it more. You see them everywhere. They were in New Orleans. They were in Tampa. You know, they go to the games on the road as well as the ones at home. They really deserve it. Indeed, indeed. So we'll see if by then, the uh, in the next little bit, if the Lions win or if it's just one crushing defeat after another until you just wish Flanders was dead. But uh, Al, <laughs> once again, thank you so much. Um, and you know what? The only thing that could possibly be even more fantastic than Al is when Shane does plug time. So Shane, plug away. Uh, yes, follow us on Twitter, Simpsons underscore EB. That's the best way to know when a new episode drops or you know a new poll or interact with us. That's the best way to do it. Uh, a lot of you are on Spotify on your phone, so if you wouldn't mind uh, going to our page on Spotify and following us and rating us, that would be appreciated. And uh, please, in the link in the description, Crave Donuts. Click that. Delicious donuts if you're in the GTA. Check them out. It's great. Sponsor of the show. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yes. And uh, Al, uh, your your handle as well is just at Al Gene. If anybody wants to follow you on Twitter as well, please follow Al. He posts a lot of fun stuff like... You, you just recently posted the the first script, too, of the, the very first episode, didn't you? The first draft written by Mimi Pond of the first episode that aired, the Christmas show, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. And the notes, pitches I had at the time are still on the script. And I thought, you know, people said to me, this is crazy, I thought, that being a Smithsonian. So I found a guy from the Smithsonian and said, we'd love it. <laughs> so that's where you can see it from now on. Um, it's it's the real deal it's it's the first draft uh of that first show and the notes i didn't add anything after you know 1989 that's what was there then it, did you ever think last I'll, very last question very last question i promise did you ever think that anything you would ever do would be going into the smithsonian isn't that crazy no and that sentence did you ever think you know applies to me with the simpsons a hundred times you know did i ever think i record the prime minister in, in 10 downing street you know yeah. no the answer is vehemently no so it's, it's such a fantastic show and it's brought so many people together so thank you for all the work that you have done and the work that you are continuing to do uh on on the simpsons and we look forward to all the episodes that are coming out into 2024 and beyond um again lastly because uh, i keep saying it a million times if i don't stop myself thank you again al for for taking the time to join us shane and i will be taking a little bit of time off throughout the end of december we'll be back at the beginning of january continuing where we left off at the towards the end of season five with episode 21 uh lady bouvier's lover now al we always get the option to our guest uh, i'd like to challenge shane and uh and make him work when he's doing the editing process what would you like shane you can have any any clip in the world that comes to your mind to end off of what would you like shane to end this episode with for the for the audio clip to see us off your pick well for season four i think the monorail song yeah that's that that's that's uh just makes sense it just makes sense and uh we can we got a late great conan o'brien conan we love you also not late (laughs) just great (laughs) just great yes Conan, we love you all right shane play us off here is that fantastic number that you all know the words to we'll catch you next time well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. what I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right, monorail. 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 I 
hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the trap could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu friend. What about us, Brendan Slobs? You'll be given cushy jobs. Were you sent here by the devil? No good, sir. I'm on the level. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called? Once again. Sorry, Mom, the mob has spoken. Mono, don't!